Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Nationwide Business Capital Group. Nationwide Business Capital Group can fund all of your real estate deals as an investor, whether you're looking to do some fix and flips, rentals for buy and hold, you're looking to do some construction loans, some, some lines of credit, commercial, residential, you need some type of creative financing, you're doing something with some seller concessions or carrybacks, you're doing something that you have some credit issues, you're looking for buyer uh, funding for your buyers for your deals, the most absolutely crafty lenders out there right now are Business Capital Group, and they are sponsoring this podcast. If you go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, you will see under affiliates, get your real estate deals funded. Click on that. It will take you directly to Marianne herself. Marianne will be in contact with you, and if there's a way to get it done, she will absolutely find the way to get it done. Just give her the story, give her the situation, and while a lot of lenders are running away, Nationwide Business Capital Group is funding more deals than ever at very competitive rates and terms. They will take great care of you. Mention the A-Game podcast, the Nick LaMagna. Also, under there, you will see get a discount on CBD. Naked Warrior Recovery is sponsored by Navy SEAL-owned company, William Branham. Um, he has a CBD company called Naked Warrior Recovery. You will see a link on there. When you put in code A-Game, you get 20% off. They have gummies. They have uh, drops. They have things for your joints, things for stress, things for sleep, things for appetite. They have gear now. They have all types of really cool stuff. They have energy drink powders. So check them out and get some stuff over there and support a very good cause, a very good guy, and an absolutely outstanding product. And we will be joined by Sean O'Toole, who's a good friend of mine from Long Island, New York, who has written a book and has some great uh, exterminator stories that he can share for you guys that are doing real estate and uh, looking for some signs of some pests and some ways to get rid of them and some affordable prices and Things of that nature that sometimes you don't really know what to look for. Your contract is telling you there's problems that maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but uh, it should be a fun episode. We'll do about 30 minutes and then uh, we will be back in business again next week. We got some great guests coming up. I appreciate everybody listening. If you could leave a review, I really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this, please subscribe. Don't just download. It really helps out the podcast, helps out the advertisers, helps out me. Hit that subscribe button anywhere you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links. You can pretty much get this podcast and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast as well as YouTube. Thank you. All right, here we are with my guest that I mentioned, Mr. Sean O'Toole. He is uh, at, at this time a Long Island exterminator, but he is also a children's book writer of the book, You Do Not Belong Here, You Don't Belong Here. And uh, we're going to get into that. And uh, I was reading a little bit about that. There it is. Like you don't this handy. <laughs> I just have it have around. I sent it to a bunch of my friends that have kids. It got very great reviews and uh Obviously, a creative side. Sean's always been a very, very nice guy, and uh, I like the way you took your your career path and your big kind heart, and you made a, a children's story out of it. Obviously, we were just talking fights. You're a fellow fight fan. I've known you for absolutely ever so. It's a pleasure oh, yeah. to catch up with you as always, sir. So, uh, give Thank yourself you, a quick introduction, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I love you, Nick. You know that. I've known you for twenty plus years. Um, Baldwin, fellow Baldwinite. You know, can't yeah, go wrong there. So, um, but yeah, dude, I, I I'm super stoked to be on your show. I mean, I, I, I love it. Every time I watch it, I'm, I get like entranced by it. It's really cool. You, you, you definitely, uh, you, you've come a long way, my friend. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very I'm much. Uh, I am proud of you as well, Mr. Author. Oh, thank you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was weird how that came about, but you know, um, but yeah, well, we'll talk about the, the book later. So I appreciate that, though. Thank you. Cool. Definitely, man. Well, one of the things uh, that I thought was interesting is you hit me up and you were telling me about, um, you know, these stories on some uh, some crazy stuff you've come across while you're killing yeah. all these pets I've seen for, uh, you know, we'll give out your, your social media stuff, but you're always posting some of your findings that you see in some of these houses and places that you go. And some of it is freaking gnarly, dude. But, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll go into that. But I thought it was an interesting um, side piece because, you know, I do a lot of, 
stuff with real estate and I have a lot of people from real estate and I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts. And um, I was just in the process of actually putting an offering on a house right when you hit me up and they were asking if I wanted to get a pest inspection, termite inspection, you know, some of the places you do like radon and stuff like that. And I, I thought it was interesting because I also had just come from a, a 10 unit I bought in Ohio. So I was saying I was doing it out there. And um, when I went in, the one of the people was like, oh, this place is infested with roaches. And of course, the property manager was like, well, we got to get the whole building sprayed and we got to, but they're making like, you know, 15, 20% overhead on anything that they get serviced. So it's in their best interest to be like, oh, we need it. So me and another guy went around the whole building and we didn't see any evidence. So it might've been in one apartment, but the building was definitely not infested. So it was things like that, that I was like, man, it'd be nice to get somebody on your side of it to give some of the things that people should be looking for when you're buying these homes to know like, all right, what types of pests should I be looking out for? You know, what ones are just ugly and we don't want them there because they're going to be gross and scare us and which ones are going to literally like destroy your house and you want them out of there and stuff. So uh, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things you can add and give value to on that side of it for, you know, what's a big deal, what's not, and some things we can look out for and maybe some realistic things that might cost to treat some of these things. You know, I, I think I, I just paid, uh, it was three payments of like 70 bucks and it was like once they were going to do it once every 30 days and spray the building that was supposed to take care of all of it. So, I mean, for them, that seemed like a decent price. It got the job done, but you know, I know it's, it's been different in different parts of the, uh, the different parts of the country that I've invested in. So, uh, take it away, man, go into sure. all you, I don't know nothing about that world. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know a lot. I've been in the, I've been in the business for about 15 years now doing pest control. So I've been doing all aspects. I do everything from, you know, small ants to raccoons. So, you know, um, and everything in between. So yeah, like I got, I got a, a ton of crazy stories and stuff that we'll go into later. But yeah, as far as real estate goes, um, you definitely obviously going to want to have a termite inspection. You're going to want to have a termite contract. Uh, that's very important when you first move into a place. Um, you know, and if you don't have a termite contract or if they don't, if the best thing is if they have a previous termite contract that you can already like kind of uh, grandfather into, you know, because this way you don't have to pay for any, you know, initial installation or anything like that. Because with termites now, it's all bathing systems. So everybody's just putting around these little bathing systems around their house. They get put about, you know, foot or so into the ground. And uh, they go about every 10 feet or so around the property and that will keep the area, you know, uh, good preventative for termites. Um, you know, they still do drilling and stuff in certain areas, uh, depending, you know, if, if there's no soil, you know, you gotta do some kind of drilling. Um, but I always recommend bathing systems. And if you're gonna be buying a house, bathing systems the way to go. See if, see if you can get the seller to, to put them in before you even move in. Uh, that's really the best way to save you, you know, a, a couple grand maybe, uh, you know, sometimes it costs about, you know, for a normal size house, it could be up to two grand. So, I mean, you can save that money by making sure the seller gets, you know, gets it done. Uh, so if someone's doing an inspection, like if I do an inspection for you, say, uh, you know, if I see any kind of evidence at all, I'm always going to write that down in my report. And then I'll tell you like, look, this, this treatment's recommended, so get it done. And uh, usually the seller, you know, they want to get rid of the property just like you want to buy it. So they're looking to, to close quick. How, what better way to close quick than, than get a termite contract right off the bat, you know? But um, yeah, you can also want to look for carpenter ants because uh, they can be pretty destructive. So if you see any uh, little, little wood fragments around on the floor, usually it'll be like maybe in an attic. Um, so, uh, or also in the basement, sometimes around the, 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 the windows, you might see some, some frass, they call it. If you see any of that, you're going to want to make sure you get some carpenter ant treatment done because they can do a lot of damage and they can go unnoticed for years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go to open up a wall and it, it's infested with carpenter ants. I mean, it's going to cost you upwards of 20 grand, you know, sometimes to fix all the studs and sometimes the electric has to get redone and plumbing and it can be a nightmare. So, yeah. but you know, you also have to look for obviously rodent activity. You know, I know you do a lot of apartments and stuff like that, right? You, you, you sell apartments. So yeah. when you're doing that, you obviously want to make sure there's no mice activity in the house or rat, even worse. Um, you know, so always look for the droppings. You should know what droppings look like. <laughs> you can find that stuff easily online, what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, mice can be, you know, 
a big, big problem because, you know, they, they can cause fires and they're, they're constantly chewing and gnawing behind walls. You don't know what they're chewing and gnawing on. So when they do, uh, when they do pop their little heads up, you know, it's good to eradicate them quick. You don't want to end up with, with mouse or rat infestations in any home. Sure, sure. Um, you know, Let, let's, back, let's back up to the termites and then I want to go sure. through each, each of those things you talked about. So um, one of the things with the, the termites, so you, you said um, getting a, a system to bait them in. So what, what you're basically doing is you're, you're putting literally bait in the ground to get them to come out of wherever they're hiding, which is usually they're eating the wood and they're in the trusses and all kinds of stuff. So actually go down and, and this will, like, I guess, attract them to kind of get them all in one space. And then what it'll do, it will put something in there that they bring it all back to the nest and kills it all? Or does it kill them when they touch it? Like, how, do, how does that all work? And what's the, what's the success rate on something like that? Oh, well, you know, that's, that's a good question. The, um, the stations, the way they work, it's like, um, it, it's, it's a bait. So we'll, we'll attract them once they, the colony is, it's usually uh, wherever the colony is close to is where the station that thing is gonna get the hit first. And um, now they have the stations that are fantastic because they already have the active ingredient inside of it. So as soon as the termites find that bait, they're gonna start feeding on it. And once they feed on it, it usually takes about, depending on the size of the colony, maybe two, three months or so of them feeding on it in order to wipe out that entire colony. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a slow acting poison, which is the best thing for social insects. You want something that's gonna work super slow so it gets all of them. You know, so, and, but uh, yeah, that, so the baiting system, it's the best way to get rid of termites and also the best way for preventative. Because uh, termites are always, especially in spring and summer, uh, they're always actively looking for food. So if they're gonna find that, all it takes is one little termite to find that station and it's gonna bring all those little buddies over there and they're all gonna start feeding on it. And it works pretty quickly and it's very effective. I'd say, I mean, from my experience, about 95% success rate nice. with termite base stations and that's that's pretty good nice so like one of the things that we were looking at at ours was when we when we did that first initial spray we waited a day or two because we, we figured you know and obviously correct me if i'm wrong here but with the thought process was when you start to get them out there it'll go and disrupt whatever the colony is and then if there are ones hiding out in other parts of the building or in other apartments they'd all start to surface out of that paddock of, of what just happened so you like when none of them did, then we said, all right, well, we probably got the first way, but just in case, you know, come back in 30 days and look through. And when we were looking through, I guess the dual question, some of the other apartments, we were looking in the cabinets, we were looking in the corners of the floors, uh, around the bathrooms and the kitchens to see if there was any, any, any dead ones or any, you know, carcasses or whatever of them in there. And when you're not really seeing any evidence of them, but maybe only one or two units are telling you that they're there, what are some ways to see, what, what are some, some red you would, would say, okay, well, I'm doing my inspection. Because obviously on a building, if you have mice or termites or things like that, you're hopefully going to hear it from your tenants. But if it's a house and maybe it was an investment property, like I just went and I fixed it up. I haven't lived in there. I don't know. Maybe my contractor didn't say anything. What are some things when you go into the inspector that's going to make you visually go, you're probably going to want to get a termite test because I saw A, B, and C? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, obviously any kind of destroyed wood, usually you're going to find that in, in the basement, maybe along the sill plate. Um, you know, that's usually the hot spot for, for termites. Once they get in, they like to go for the sill. Uh, it makes it difficult when you have a finished area, which, you know, most, pe most people, they finish their basements now, or, you know, even the crawl spaces, sometimes they finish up. And so it's harder to, to check and see uh, if there's been any activity there. I mean, you're going to look for uh, what's called mud tunnels. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see a mud tunnel. You can scrape that off and, you know, you can, it can, you can tell to see if there's any still there. Uh, but even if you see an old mud tunnel, you got to be careful. I would definitely get a system put in place, even if you see something that looks old. You know, you don't want to go just going, oh, well, it's, it's not active right now, so we don't need anything. That's not, that's not true. I would say um, you're more likely to get termites again in the future if you've had them before, because termites will follow, like new colonies will follow old tunnels. So if they're under that, you know, they're, they're subterranean. So when they're, come, when they're running around in their little tunnels underneath the ground, they find an old tunnel that makes it easy access for, for food. They're gonna go right to that old tunnel. So you're gonna get termites in that same area, which is very common, you know? So 
Um, but yeah, you're gonna look for that. You're also gonna look for termite swarmers. Well, that's usually the first thing uh, a homeowner would see or an apartment dweller would see would be the swarm. Um, and it comes at you like a, like mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, when you, if you've ever seen a termite swarm, it's pretty intense. I mean, it, it can get hundreds of thousands of them all at once. They look like little tiny flying ants, but they can't fly very well. So they just kind of uh, flutter a little bit and then they, they, they run into the ground. Uh, they, they also are the only insect in the world that drops their wings, right? Okay. So sometimes you'll go home and you won't even see a swarm. You'll just see a big pile of insect wings there. And if you see that, you know, you just had a termite swarm because there's no other insect in the world that does that. You know, thankfully in Long Island anyway, where I'm at, we only have the Eastern subterranean termites. So they're not very aggressive, but if you go down South, you know, you got this, you got something called the Formosan termite, much more aggressive, much more invasive. And, you know, they'll, they'll destroy a, a section of your house within, you know, months. I mean, you know, to the point where you're going to need uh, some serious contractor help. Yeah. That stuff starts to get sticky fast. Um, the other thing that I, I crossed over between the termites and the roaches, but the, those have been the two things that I have found to be the most common in my experience for the, the buildings that I'm going is termites and roaches. And a lot of the time, it's exactly like you said, they, you know, the, the seller's going, well, it's old, those are old holes. But like you said, you know, you want to protect yourself. So it's an easy thing to go back because usually like it, what we're doing is those inspections are being done after everything else has been agreed to. So yeah. everybody's already counting their money. They think it's a, a pretty good deal. So at that point, if the seller has to give you, dollar concession or whatever it is to to just say you know what i'll just throw that in there and, and you just take care of it take it off the purchase price it's, it's usually not such a nominal thing that the seller won't do that and they'll risk putting the deal back on because now again you have to disclose it all the time so i think that's great what you said about you know the seller does want to sell it people forget like yeah as the buyer i want to buy it but you got the seller over there that's also sweating going man i hope this goes through i hope these of course you know so that's what starts to pop up they freak out when they go ah, you know what 1500 bucks take it off the purchase price that could be something if it's old, like you're saying, it's probably a good, good, because people will take that and they'll just pocket that money, but that's just going to become another problem later on. So that, and then the, the roaches, what are some things you're seeing for ways to get rid of those? Cause those have become quite the nuisance and you don't want people going online saying, Oh, you know, I bought this building and now it's got roaches. Don't live here. That's going to be sure. the kiss of death for getting new tenants. Yeah. Bed, bed bugs and roaches. I mean, those are, those are two big ones. That was the other one I was going to go into bed bugs. Yeah, go ahead. No, I've done lots of bed bugs before. They're, they're no fun. Uh, and they're, they're the toughest one because you're not, you know, I, well, I'll let you know about the roaches first. All right. So German roaches are the ones that are the most common that get into buildings and, uh, you know, and they, they love David Hasselhoff, right? They do. Yeah. You know, surprisingly, everybody <laughs> loves David Hasselhoff though. So I can't blame him. Um, but no, the roaches, um, you know, German roaches are in particular are the, are the toughest ones to get rid of. Uh, you know, they make their little pockets in and around the kitchen, usually starting there. And then they work their way through uh, the plumbing areas, usually to the bathrooms, maybe the laundry area, the basement. Um, any place where there's a water source is where you're going to try, you know, the roaches are going to try and find and hang out there. Um, you know, like I said, German roaches are the most common and they can be really tough to get rid of. So if you go have, have an inspector check it out and you see roach activity, uh, you might want to think about getting an exterminator right away. You know, you don't want to let that prolong. Now, part of the problem with that is though, if like, let's say it's a vacant building and you know, it's roaches, roach infested, um, it's going to be tough, uh, to, to get rid of them with like bombs and stuff like that, that people will try. Um, you know, you're better off in a vacant building putting bait out because now they're going to come out of their little hiding spots because they're going to get hungry if there's no food around, you know? So if you can clean up really good, put some bait in and around the cabinets in and around the drawers and stuff like that, try and keep it hidden. Obviously you don't want it to be too obvious that they've had roaches before. Uh, that's your best bet. You know, and then maybe a little bit of spray treatment too, but you don't want to do anything like repellent wise, because then you're going to push them around. You don't want to push them to the bedrooms. Last thing people want to see is roaches in their bedroom. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, unless you're into that. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few people who might've been, I don't know. But, uh, I'm from Baldwin, remember that. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but no, the ro- roaches, uh, yeah, they, they can be a, a, a big problem. I would say that, you know, um, sometimes you end up having to move them in 
and then just hire an exterminator and just let the people know. Because if you don't let them know, you know, that it, it could come back to haunt you. Like, hey, look, this this building, you know, I, I just put you guys in here. It has roaches, and they find out the hard way. Yeah. They're going to be pretty pissed, so. That, that's a great tip right there. Uh, you know, most of the time, especially like in these buildings, they congregate. So they'll start to tell like, oh, you got bugs. I got, what else is wrong with your apartment? And then all of a sudden, you become the enemy as the owner of that building, or they start firing off at the manager. So um, I found it in this case, because I didn't know about it. And then when somebody brought it to my attention, she was like, look, I, I know you just bought the building. She's like, there's probably a bunch of stuff that the seller kind of snuck by you. She goes, it's not your fault, but now you know. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Okay, now I did. I called the guy, like, he'll be here in a few days, like, work with me. And they were very happy once they, like, got the little note under their door from the property manager of, hey, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the guy's coming to spray and he'll be here every 30 days for the next three months. They were like, cool. Like, you know, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, Yeah, they love the landlords on top of that. You know, if, if if you're not on top of that, obviously... You know, nobody likes a, a landlord that 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 doesn't take care of their properties. So at least if you come clean with them and get you know honest right off the bat, you know a lot of people would be like, okay, you know we'll get rid of them. You just have to be sure, you know, you make sure you hire a good exterminator or a good pest control guy to to get rid of them. You don't go cheap on that, you know. So, so um, let, I, let me cover bed bugs, and then I want to go into that because I think that that's a freaking awesome thing. Is to you know a big part of the podcast is you know people are. I, I got a bad property manager, I got a bad contractor, I got a bad realtor, I got a bad lender. How do I find good people? So actually, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that that'll be a great thing too. Um, but I also do want to talk about bed bugs because that is one of those things that I think, even if they're gone, even if they're treatable, if somebody's going to move into a house or an apartment and they see anywhere on Yelp or on any type of reviews, like somebody saying, hey, I have bed bugs, doesn't matter how nice it is, how good a price it is people are going it, it, to, it's, it's the kiss of death. Like people are just so, they assume that the bed bugs is something you get. They get into everything. They go everywhere, which um, I've seen be true and not true, but I've had a couple of tenants that they moved in and they bought the bed bugs in. And then they start bitching at me going, oh, oh my manager, like, hey, you know, I got bed bugs. I want to move into another unit. And we always go back and say, well, we need to find out where these came from because if you got them and you bought them into the building, I'm not going to go put you in another unit because now you're going to bring them into that unit and it was your fault. And, you know, we had to have the guys go in hazmat suits and they had to burn some of the furniture. Like, it's pretty crazy. So um, I'm sure there's some things that are worth being scared of and are true, but there's probably a lot of myths and overreactions on the bed bug side of things too. But I know, especially in New York City, over the last five or 10 years, that's become a a really big topic. So um, give Mm -hmm. us the... School us on some bed bugs, my dude. Oh, you got it, bro. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bed bugs are, um, are are notorious. I mean, they they're one of the worst things to have. Um, they'll scare the hell out of people if you if you say to somebody like, "Hey, I have bed bugs. Are you gonna want to go visit their house?" I, I know I wouldn't. You know, um, you know, because they're hitchhikers. That's how they got there. Like you said, it's a lot of times it is the tenant that brings them in, and then they'll blame the landlord. Uh, or vice versa, if the landlord, if they were there before, and then you move a tenant in, and then you got the blame game, which is difficult. I mean, for me, as, as a pest control operator, I can go in there and pretty much say, hey, look, is this new or is this old when you're dealing with bed bugs? Because if it's new, you'll be able to tell because there's only a few here and there. It's not bad. Um, you know, then it usually means that maybe the tenant brought them in. Now, if I see droppings all over the place and I see them in places where they aren't normally, you know, hiding like in molding and stuff like that, sometimes you'll even see them in like crown molding. You see them up there. I mean, they've been there for a while. That means, you know, they moved all the furniture and stuff out and they had no place else to hide. You know, bed bugs like to hide underneath the box spring and also in like the frames of a bed because that's the easiest way for them to go get food. You know, they want a nice, quick, easy food source. And they're going to come and get you while you're either sleeping or resting or, or, or whatever, you know, that, that people think they're nocturnal. They're not. Uh, they can come out during the day. And if you sleep all day, they're going to come out during the day. They're attracted to, you know, your blood. They're obviously attracted to uh, the warmth of your skin. They're also attracted to carbon dioxide. So all three of those things come out, you know, which maybe, hey, if you can find someone who get a, a nice... Uh, a patent on a, uh, a bed bug uh, trap, you know, that will uh, like lure them in. 
there you go. I mean, that, that that's a gold mine right there. But, uh, you know, they also have like the dogs that will come in and sniff things out. I'm not crazy about the dog. Me personally, I'd rather have someone physically pull the bed apart and check and see, you know, um, because the most common areas, like I said, are around the bed. If you can pull everything around the bed and not find a bed bug, there's a good possibility you've got no bed bugs, you know, but if you start to see some activity around there, you really have to kind of move around and look in other places and it can get, can get really sticky you know, sticky and hairy real quick, you know, people do not like bed bugs. They are nasty animals and they, they multiply very quickly. So within like one month, you get a bed bug in your, in your apartment, that one little bed bug, if it was a pregnant female, guess what? You know, you could have thousands of bed bugs within a few months, you know, you can have hundreds of thousands within six months after that, you know, uh, I've done houses where it's been millions of bed bugs. I mean, you'd be surprised. I go in, as soon as I walk in the doorway, I see the droppings. I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, like, this is no good, man. So, um, but also with bed bugs too, people, some people can feel them. Some people can't feel the bites. You know, some people are allergic reaction and they blow up and swell up. Other people don't even know they have them. They don't even feel them. They don't have any itching, nothing. So it can be tricky, man. But yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. And, uh, you know, the best thing I could get, the best advice I can give anybody who's, who's, you know, who's looking to get a house or get an apartment or whatever else, um, and if they're worried about bed bugs, is get someone in there to inspect before you move in. And then if you're really worried, three months after you move in, have someone come and do another inspection, you know? Because this way you'll have a good idea is if it's empty apartment and there's nothing around, there could still be something hiding there in the molding or whatever else. And then they, sh they show their ugly faces once the people move in and now you got a big problem again. So if I was, um, if, if I was a, a tenant, I would ask for an inspection three months after if I'm really worried. And then this way we, we can know for sure whether there's any bed bugs or not. Because by then they would have already made their new little nesting sites close to the bed. So what are you looking for? You're looking for like little dead bugs or little, little, like, like, I know little black spots sometimes. So if the person, obviously like the first trigger would be if they're waking up and they're itching and then now they're trying to figure out what's happening. Are they getting bit at night? Like that would open up the question. But if they're not, what are some things that would give you a sign that there might be bed bugs in there if the tenant's not getting bit? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to look for, uh, for the droppings. Obviously they look similar to roach droppings actually. Uh, but you can look that up online. All that stuff is easy, easy access. That's my, you know, people ask me, I'm like, look it up online. You want to look it up? You know, you pop up uh, bed bug droppings, you get a million different hits on it, you know, and it'll show you what it looks like. Also, you know, bed bugs cast their skin. They have to molt five times to become an adult. So each time they feed, they're going to molt. And then when they molt, they shed their skin behind. So you'll see a lot of little dead skins around. So look that up too. That's a good idea uh, to know what you're looking for. You know, droppings, skins, and obviously the bugs themselves are the best way to find bed bugs. Cool. And now what's, what's the remedy? How do, how do you get rid of them and how do you keep them away? Well, now they have some pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, uh, I, I like to use uh, a few different chemicals because Bed bugs grow resistant to chemicals very easily. So if you just keep similar roaches, if you keep spraying the same stuff over and over, now you're developing a super bed bug or a super roach, you know, that it could walk right over that chemical, won't even bother them. So uh, what I usually recommend to people is try a few different things, you know, maybe one dust, maybe one spray, maybe one aerosol, and you'll hit all three and you're more likely to get all three, you know, all three of them will most likely will kill the bugs. Um, and always make sure you use something that has a really good residual because, you know, if it just dries up immediately and let's say a couple of days later, the bug walks on it, um, you're not killing it. So you want something that's got a good residual and a few different things you're going to want to try. But also bed bug covers are fantastic because you'll spot them immediately. You know, if you're changing your sheets and changing your bed regularly, um, you know, and you're flipping your bed and stuff regularly. So get mattress covers, box spring covers, and then obviously check the frame and stuff for droppings and skins. 
And then, uh, but the bed bug, uh, the new ones that they have are called interceptors, which are pretty cool. I mean, it's not really new. It's actually been around for about 10, 15 years, but they've got these little traps that go underneath the, uh, the bed itself, like the, uh, the frame. And you stick those under each, each uh, leg of the frame and it'll catch the bug going in and then they can't get out. It's like a little moat. So they get, they climb up, they can get in, but then they can't get out. So they get stuck. And that's always a great indicator for, for bed bugs if you can find those. Not many people know about those things. And those are great tools to help you find and, and get rid of bed bugs quickly before they become a big problem. Nice. Well, what are you looking at as far as a price range on average? I know there could be some fluctuation there. But for uh, an inspection, is that part of your general pest inspection? Like I know usually they have to sign up for termites, but oh, then there's a separate inspection for – so you have to specifically be going there for a bed bug inspection. So what what is a – Usually, what do they cost for that? And then usually, what does it cost on average for a treatment? Yeah, normal bed bug inspection for a normal size house. I mean, you're going to want to check all the beds in the house and possibly the couches too, depending. Uh, you know, I, uh, my company charges $195 plus tax for a bed bug inspection. Uh, sometimes he does a free estimate. You know, it depends. But um, usually, you're going to charge for an inspection fee. I would recommend between, you know, $195, $295. You know, because it's, it's a lot of work. You got to lift up the beds. You got to lift up the mattress. You got to lift up the box spring. You got to lift up the frame. This is not easy inspections. So you don't want to go charging too little, you know, and you don't want to, you know, if somebody's saying like, oh, I'll do a bed bug inspection for you for a hundred bucks. I don't know if I would trust it. I would be like, you know what? I think this guy might be trying to get over on me because, you know, maybe he'll come in there, he'll lift the bed and go, oh, no, you're okay. You know, no, it's, that's not the way it works. You got to lift everything up everything off the bed, including the box spring, flip it all up, check with a really high powered, uh, you know, uh, flashlight. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the best way. And, and it, like I said, it's about 195, 295 is, is a good one. Yeah. Cheaper is not better, man. It's the same thing. Every single person I know that when we talk about, when we try and get uh, corners cut or get a contractor that's cheaper than the other one to make some money on the, it always winds up costing you more because it's never done right. So, you know, when you have three or four guys, they're going to do a job for 40 grand. Another one comes in and goes, I'll do it for 20. You're getting what you pay for. You know what I mean? You're not getting a $40,000 job for 20. You're not getting somebody who has the expertise and the, the attention to detail like you would go in and have that. So, you know, cheaper is just not better. I hope people remember that with all aspects of this business. And, you know, especially when it's your home and it's something like bed bugs and you got kids and stuff in there, man. Pay to get them out. Pay to get them found. Absolutely. Um, yeah, another it. thing you touched on that was cool was uh, you, you talked about rodents and, and mice and rats and stuff like that. So um, you also said in the beginning that you've had raccoons. So when I lived up in Albany, shout out to Michael Bolzomi. Ah, this, now. I wore this shirt from Michael Bolzomi. <laughs> nice, nice. That's for Bolzomi right there. The so. bull right there. Um, but we lived up in Albany for a while. And during one of the winters, um, there was a hole in the roof of the house. And a bunch of squirrels got in through the roof and then there was a major snowstorm and they couldn't get back out. So my house was literally infested with like 37 squirrels. So they called this dude to come and he would show up at a truck every day and he would open up the back of the truck and he would just have all these cages with like raccoons and mongooses and like gunks and all these things. But like the first day or two, there wasn't a lot going on. But then every day he would come down and there would be like four or five of them like waiting on the cage around the one that he's like, they're stupid. Like they all start to almost get jealous about like, where, where's this guy going? And we wound up getting him out of there. But like I had some girls stay over and she's like, oh, I'm going to go get some water. And I was like in my room. And then she like opens up the, the, the bread box and she just starts screaming. She's like, there's squirrels in the bread box. <laughs> she like ran out and I looked and it was in there and it was like hissing at me. And it would dude, it was scary. And the guy came in with like a big glove, like we used to wear at Kenny Rogers when he, he took the thing out and the thing was like, these squirrels make these horrific noises when they're like mad. And Dude, it was like a freaking horror movie. I was like, this is, this is crazy. But uh, yeah, so getting them out was, it was really interesting. And it took probably, I don't really, it was a while ago, but maybe a week or two to get them out. But he was like, dude, I just, I do the rounds. He's like, people don't even realize like these, they come and they live in people's houses. And he's sure. like, I get them and I take them and I release them. So um, going a little bit for, uh, you know, some of these areas that might have, you might not see it as much in Long Island or maybe in Suffolk, oh, but you know, if out, you have man. some things like that, man, for sure. What, how do you, how do you, how do you get rid of some of the bigger pests? Well, so, you know, that, that's one of my specialties too, is, you know, uh, wildlife control. You know, I got my license for about 10 years now for wildlife. Uh, 
Um, you know, you do squirrels, raccoons, possums, um, even bats, but uh, not not too many bats around Long Island unless you get out in Suffolk County, like Riverhead area. But um, with squirrels, I mean, yeah, I mean, all they need is a tiny little hole and they can just make it bigger. They'll chew right through it. Uh, you know, squirrels are a big problem too once they get into an attic. You know, they're similar to mice and rats. They just, they're constantly gnawing and chewing and biting and that's what they do. You know, they're rodents too. They're, they just have furry tails, so they're a little cuter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nobody wants a squirrel in their house in their attic, especially at night when they're trying to sleep, you know? So, uh, but yeah, if you see that house has had squirrels, I mean, you that's, that's cause for concern because, you know, there's going to be a potential for more squirrels coming. They follow the scent of other squirrels. So if one squirrel gets in, like let's say it's a female squirrel, you know, sexy female squirrel, uh, <laughs> all the other, all the other males. I mean, you, girl. you think about it, you know, it's like, you know, Pamela Anderson shows up, you know, everybody's looking to follow her around. It's the same way squirrels are looking to, to follow their, their significant others around. So, uh, but yeah, squirrels, tiny little holes, all they need to sneak in, man. I know I'm dating myself with the Pamela Anderson thing, but you know. No, you're good. I, I got you on that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, squirrels and raccoons, of course, too. Raccoons are raccoons are even worse because when raccoons get inside, they leave. You know, they they can lead to like disease and stuff like that. You know, because of their droppings and stuff, it can be really nasty, and they will absolutely try and get back in. So if you just uh, you know drop them off, you know, a mile away, they'll find their way back. And you know they're gonna make a new hole, and it could be a nightmare when you deal with raccoons. Um, possums, not so much. Possums usually, you know, they just like to hang around in sheds normally, underneath sheds, so they're they're easy enough to get rid of. But raccoons and squirrels, obviously, they'll get into the roof line, and that's what they do. You know, squirrels in particular are very good at running along wires and you know getting in any way they can. They'll run right up the gutter. You know, raccoons can too. Um, but yeah, it's a health hazard if you have a raccoons in the attic. So if you're buying a home and you've got raccoon droppings in your attic, that's a health hazard right there. Uh, and, and they have every right to say, look, you got to clean that up before we move in. Not only clean it up, but make sure there's no other holes. So they, they, they could have you call a roofer and a roofer has to come and inspect the entire roof line, the gutter line, the soffit, all that stuff. And uh, they have every right to do that. And that could be very expensive too, you know? And some people don't realize as the uh, as a tenant, when I was uh, renting, when I was up in college, there was actually provision. I don't, I don't think it was in the lease, but I think it was part of the law. You know, it was a while ago. But if there was a, an infestation, I didn't have to pay my rent until they fixed it. Sure. So, you know, you might want to check on those things as a building owner too, because you you know if you're trying to you're in the process of putting a lot of money in to stabilize a building, and all of a sudden you find out you have some sort of infestation with some pests or some squirrels or some rodents, and you're going, well, I don't want to spend the money to do that right now. If somebody in your building finds that out and then tells somebody else, all of a sudden you might have a much bigger problem on your hands. So it's best, like you said earlier, you know, communicate and get ahead of those things. And people will appreciate when they see you're trying, you know, that, that really goes a long way is even if you're not fixing it right away, seeing that you're taking those steps is, uh, is a really big thing, you know? So um, I, I know you, you probably don't come across it as much, but uh, I was flipping a bunch of properties in Arizona at one point and part of the disclosures there, you had to sign a separate page that dealt with, um, tests and looking for scorpions and black widows and yeah. they would go in with black lights and they were they were telling me i was like man this is freaking terrifying they were mm -hmm. like no like out here before you go to bed you take the black light and you shine on your bed to make sure that there's no scorpions or black widows in your room and i was like screw that dude i'm not gonna move into this place but you know that's real life over there it's just a normal thing um what have you come across any kind of really super weird creepy crawlers like that like deadly spiders poisonous insects um, you know what, With, uh, my old company did a, a, a big job on like a ship, like a cruise ship um, that was docked somewhere uh, in New York City and they, they said they found some black widow spiders, which was a big deal. And, um, and so, I mean, you know, obviously they, they did the treatment there. I was not there for that one. That was when I first started. I was only doing termites back then, but I heard about it and it was pretty intense. I know they had to do a really crazy thorough inspection and treatment. I mean, you're talking like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, I don't deal with scorpions, thank God. I don't want to have to deal with scorpions. Um, but I, 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 I um, and I don't really deal with big spiders or anything like that either. either. So, 
you know, I, I really can't really talk for, for, for that, but I do know that it's important if you have those, those insects and those, those, uh, you know, those, those creepy crawlies over where you're living, you better make sure you get that. You should know before you move to a place, what is around there? What are the most common insects and problems there? And if you know that going in, you know, then you can get the proper inspection done before you move. Very, very wise words. The, uh, the other follow-up question to that is, do you do anything with the treatment? So I think at some point, everybody who does flipping houses comes across what they call a cat house that was like infested with cats or of course all the rugs, or maybe you're moving out of tenant and there was, you know, the, the animal was urinating all over the place. Is that something that you have good insight for, for getting rid of those smells that seem to just stick around? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I do. Unfortunately, I've had <laughs> a few of those jobs. Usually, it's 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 you know either cat droppings or raccoon droppings. Uh, you know, you do have to get a night, you know, get a, a suit on, and uh, you know, you need you need proper proper you know safety equipment for sure if you're going to be going into a place like a crawl space to clean out droppings. You know, it's just disgusting stuff. You don't want to have to do it, but hey, if it's making your boss money, and boss is going to send you to do it, you're going to have to. Uh, and unfortunately I've had to do that a few times. It's not fun. And, um, always make sure, you know, you, you, wear the proper gear. If you're going to be touching any kind of droppings, doesn't matter what, you know, even if it's just mouse droppings, you're going to want to wear gloves. You're going to want to, you know, make sure you wash your hands real good afterwards, you know, cause there's a lot of bacteria and, and nasty stuff all over those droppings. You don't know where that rat, mouse, raccoon, squirrel, whatever, where it's been. So. Who knows where it could have been? It could have been hanging out in the garbage, you know, right next door before it got inside. And now you're touching its droppings. It's not, yeah. not a good idea to do that without gloves, at least. But yeah, oh, yeah, and you can sanitize, of course. You know, they've got this stuff that you can buy. It's called Simple Green. It sanitizes just about everything. You know, you can get like a mist blower and blast it in after you clean everything up, and it'll definitely knock the smell out real good. Cool. Awesome, man. Now, um, so you touched on finding the right inspectors, finding good uh, exterminators. Um, give some insight on that, being that you are one of the most open and honest guys that I know. Obviously, you're somebody that if anybody's in the Long Island area at all, or possibly sooner than the later the South Carolina area, um, you know, what's, what's some good things to look for that you can say in your experience to find a good, honest exterminator to come take care of your pest problems? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to want someone who's presentable, obviously, you know, who, who seems like they're knowledgeable, um, you know, get it from a reputable company, you know, you don't want to look, you know, look at Yelp, look at, look at, you know, Angie's list uh, and look up reviews. I mean, that's really important, especially, you know, these days, customer reviews go a long way, you know, so I always want to make sure, you know, before I do any kind of, uh, before I hire anybody to do anything for me, I want to make sure that they're going to do the right thing by me. You know, especially with me and, you know, I've got kids and, you know, uh, I want to make sure that someone is going to be professional and respectful and, and, you know, show up at my house. But yeah, obviously, yeah, you're going to want to make sure you do a little research on, on anybody who, who comes to your house, doesn't matter what it is. But yeah, pest control is the same way, you know. I've had guys who, you know, who I've worked with, they, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't respect, and they, you know, they're doing it as a job, not a career. You know, you're going to want someone who wants who shows like, Hey, look, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not to looking for a quick paycheck, you know? Uh, and they did the proper training and they, they got the certificates and stuff like that. You know, that's important. Are they always, I know state by state regulations change. Like some places you don't need a license. Some places you do. Does that work the same way with exterminators? And do you need specific licenses for different types of, you know, like, you know, I have my bed bugs license. Now I have my roaches license. Like, is there a thing like that as well? Uh, yeah, there's, there's different certifications you got to have. Um, I personally have three certifications, plus I have uh, my trapper's license. So I, I have what's called a 7C, which is termites, a 7A, which is structural, which is usually more for like you would need for like a normal uh, pest control, like, you know, you spray for insects and spray, you, so you can legally spray uh, these restricted use chemicals inside people's houses. As long as you're following label, there's no problems. Um, also uh, have um, a 7F, which is food, food processing and stuff like that. So I can do food processing plants and places like that. You know, most of that is all IPM, which is an integrated pest management. They don't really use chemicals unless it's absolutely necessary uh, because, you know, you don't want to be using chemicals around 
food and stuff like that if you can avoid it. So it's mostly, you know, checking, uh, you know, little traps and glue boards and, and, and other things like that. So awesome. Nice, man. That's good stuff. That's helpful info. Now, I know you said you had some, uh, some really crazy stories you wanted to share. I definitely want to get uh, the entertainment side <laughs> up too as well. So hit, hit me with some of your, your pest control nightmares. Uh, sure, man. I mean, uh, I've, I've had a lot, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, doing this 15 years, I've had all kinds of issues, you know, at people's houses. Uh, one that always stood out in my head was when I, um, when I was doing a, uh, well, scariest probably, is I, I was doing a, a callback for this lady in, I think it was Amityville, and she had heard like a faint noise in her attic, and I was like, oh, okay, that's probably just mice, you know. So I go up, and I, they have, she has a little attic crawl space, like a little attic door that you go up through the closet. So you need a six foot ladder. So I set the six foot ladder up there. I popped the, uh, the door and I went very, I, I, I tried to pop the door. I couldn't pop it because it was, there was something on top of it or it was stuck. Uh, turned out it was something on top of it and I didn't realize that at first. Uh, so I popped the door and I, I, I went up and I peeked my head up and, and shown my flashlight. And as I'm going to the side, a raccoon mom with her pups right in my face <laughs> and it swiped at the swiped at the flashlight. I shrieked and I fell off the six foot ladder right in front of the customer who was right down below. She was like, oh my God, are you okay? I was like, there's a giant mother raccoon up there with pups. You said the, the you said that it was a faint noise, <laughs> you know. So that scared the heck out of me. I ended up having to put some traps outside. We caught the mom and then I was able to grab the pups. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a nightmare. Um, well, that's what you were talking about. You said you have a wildlife uh, certification. Yeah, so what, what do you do in that situation? You go and you release them back into the wild? Well, the best thing, if you can do it, if, um, you know, if you can find a nice place where, you know, you have to have permission to be, to be dropping them off, you know, in New York state. So you gotta get permission. There's a couple places that, you know, they will give you permission. If you want, you can go ahead and just drop them off. Um, but again, you have to get permission from the landowner. You know, there's a lot of different woodsy areas and stuff that you could potentially drop them off. I, I don't really have the heart to kill the animals. So, you know, I, I usually go that route. But, uh, but yeah, I, I actually try more to try one-way doors. One-way doors are very effective for raccoons and squirrels because they can get in, but then they can't, I mean, they can get out, but then they can't get back in. So if you have a strong roof, you know, you can stick a one-way door on it, uh, they, then they won't be able to make a new hole, you know, that that's the best way because they'll just end up getting frustrated and go somewhere else, you know. Um, but uh, a lot of times, you know, you, you, you've got these old roofs, they've got these old shingles, they've got these old soffits, they're very easily pushed back in. So if you let one go, they'll just make a new hole right next to it if they really want to get in, especially if they have pups inside, you know, that's the mother instinct right there. It's going to claw its way in there until it gets in. So you do have to be careful with that. Fair enough. What else? What, what are the kind of crazy, nasty, gnarly stories have you come across in the last... 15 years as an exterminator on Long Island? I've been stung many times. Uh, one in particular was, uh, was, was very interesting. Uh, I went into an attic, the same kind of thing where the lady said she heard some noises and she was thinking that it was carpenter ants because carpenter ants can make some noise up in an attic if they're underneath the insulation. You can hear them, they're, they're pretty loud. So, and she's like, oh, I saw these ants. I'm like, okay, so it's gotta be ants, you know? So I go up into the attic. This one was a little bit easier, more easily accessible, this attic. So I went in there and I was picking up the insulation looking for the carpenter ants because that's usually where they'll nest. Somewhere around uh, the insulation or maybe in the wood close to like, you know, close to a joist or whatever. And um, I picked up, I heard, I heard the buzzing. I'm like, oh, what is that? So I, I picked it up. It was a giant bumblebee nest. Oh, huge like hundreds of them. And they saw me and came at me like you wouldn't believe, like tried to cover me. I got stung four times. And I, I, I actually, what I did was I rolled out of the way and I, I, I used jujitsu moves. I rolled out of the way and I, I covered myself with insulation to try and hide oh. them so they would stop stinging me. And it worked, it worked because they stopped stinging me and I slowly backed out of the attic 
and got the hell out of there. Oh, man. I'm so, getting inflammation on my skin. I used to hate that feeling. Oh, bumblebees are brutal, bro. They're vicious. If, if you get close to the nest, they'll go for you in a second. And they yeah. did. They went for me quick. And so I went back up there and I blasted it. <laughs> I did not mess around. I went there full artillery mode and just, I was pissed, you know? How, um, how is it working now with COVID? If, if so, I mean, people are home more, so they might be realizing there that there's bugs or pests or things that maybe they didn't notice before. They didn't really, didn't bother them as much before. Sure. So my, my first question is, are you, are you getting more calls because people are home more? And if so, what precautions are you taking? Is it harder to go in there now? Are you telling them to leave? Do you have to, with the coronavirus, what type of extra precautions are you taking to, to go inspect people's homes? I mean, I, I go into people's houses, um, you know, with gloves. And uh, at any time I go into anybody's house, I always got a pair of gloves on anyway. So I'm always walking in with fresh pair of gloves every time I walk in. But, you know, I also, you know, uh, I'll put booties on and stuff like that if people want me to. Um, also, you know, you do if you're going to go inside anybody's house, you know, you wear the mask. I hate having to wear the mask. Nobody likes to wear the mask. But, you know, you're walking into some stranger's house, you should wear it. So I always wear it and make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm as careful not to touch anything. You know, I just want to do the job and get out as quickly as possible. Don't want to linger in someone's house. Most of the work I do is outside anyway. So it's mostly foundation treatments and stuff like that. You know, bait stations outside for rats and rodents. Uh, you know, termite stations outside. It's, it's a lot of outside stuff. So it's really, not, I don't have to do too much inside, which is good. Are you doing any tenting out on Long Island? I know in California, a lot of my investor friends like they'll tell me about that they have to tent the house for like two or three days. Uh, they've got cut, they've got places that do that. My company does not. Um, you know, it's like a, um, uh, uh, where, where it's not really like a tenting, but they'll, uh, they do like a fumigation kind of thing. Uh, you know, you can fumigate rooms. I've got my old company used to do that. Uh, it's not very effective though, because especially with like roaches and stuff, they'll find a way out of it. They'll find a way to hide, you know, so you fumigate. And, and like I told you before, the bombs don't work very well, you know, unless you use them properly. Like if you have a flea problem in your house, you know, you want to use the bombs, but make sure that's okay. Make sure there's no kids or anything else around, no food products out, whatever else. But make sure that you use it according to label. It says use it like once every few weeks, you know, so you're catching all of them because the eggs you can't penetrate with chemical. So you're blasting it with a bomb and the eggs are surviving, you know, so you're killing all the adults, but then here come the eggs two weeks later and then you end up with that problem again. So I don't really recommend doing any kind of fumigants and stuff like that. And if not around here, not for the pests that we have to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. So talk to me about the book. You don't belong here. You are a children's author now, my friend. Um, I was reading some backstories about how they came together, but um, talk a little bit about how you came to the idea to do that, what pushed you to do it, and just a little bit about the book itself and, uh, and what you're doing with it now. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I got the idea actually doing trapping work. Um, I was doing trapping for this little Italian lady in, in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, super nice lady. And uh, she had these little animals that were going around her backyard and they were, they were in the middle of the day and they were just sneaking around and stealing her vegetables out of her garden. And I, I said to myself, I'm like, what the heck, what is that? Like, that doesn't sound like squirrels. It doesn't sound like raccoons, like not in the middle of the day. And she said, oh, it's a, it's a little a furry animal. Uh, you know, it keeps going, eating around under my, under my fence. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I put the traps out just to see what it was because I wasn't even sure what it was. And I ended up catching two muskrats. And I was like, muskrats? Like, I didn't even know they were around here uh, in Long Beach. Um, but they were, you know, there were two little muskrats. They were really kind of cute. And I was like, oh, well, here's your problem. So uh, I ended up just taking them away and I, I didn't even know what to do with them. So I ended up just driving them as far away as I could, like, and just put them off because I didn't even know. So, but that gave me the idea for the book. Uh, so I got that idea because I realized like, wow, these little guys, nobody really knows much about muskrats, you know, who, who's ever even heard of a muskrat, you know, or seen one, you know, unless you're on the water all the time, I guess some people have to see them and deal with them, but they're destructive little guys, man. They make a lot of big holes all around people's property. Uh, they feed on this lady's garden. They were ruining and destroying her garden. So, you know, so it was, it was, it, so once I got that idea in my head, it just kind of clicked. 
I've always wanted to write a book ever since I was a little kid. I just never had any solid stories that would just, you know, beginning, middle and end. Like I've started writing stories years ago and I just never could finish them. I get writer's block. I'd, I'd get halfway through it and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm not crazy about this anymore. I don't know where I was going with it, you know? Uh, but my, my English teacher, I don't know if you remember her in uh, junior high, her name was Mrs. Lamangino. Sure. Yes. I do remember Mrs. Lamangino. Ms. Lamangino told it's me one time. <laughs> yeah, it's very Italian. So she was very nice. And she had told me that she said, you know, you're, you're a pretty good writer. You know, you, you just got to, you know, your punctuation is terrible, but you're a pretty good writer. You got a pretty good story. So, and she goes, write what you know. And she, when she told me that, it always stuck in my head, like, write what you know. And then, what do I know? I know, I know pest control. I know, I know animals now. I know bugs and stuff like that. So, uh, I just took, I took it and I was like, I got a decent tax return and I just went out and, and got it published and found a publisher that I was pretty happy with at first. And I got my friend, uh, Pamela, uh, who you probably know, Pamela DeResta. Yeah. Uh, she did the illustrations for me. She did a fantastic job. I was very impressed. Um, I originally wanted her brother Vinny, but he wasn't around. I think he was in like Japan or something. So I ended up going with Pamela and she did a fantastic job. And she actually, uh, we just did a, revi a revision of the book. Nice. We got it revised. I added an extra page of illustrations. Uh, we cleaned up the, uh, the, the smudges a little bit around the artwork. Um, and uh, so I'm very, ha I'm very happy with the way it came out, you know. And, and I, I, like I told everybody that, you know, I, I didn't, I, obviously you do it for the money. You'd love to be able to make money writing books, but. I'm very proud of it. I think it came out really good. And I'm very excited that, you know, that people are enjoying it. And uh, the kids, I mean, my, my son, when he told me that he really liked it, I mean, it was just like, you know, that was like over the moon for me. Cool. I was very excited for that. And, uh, you know, and, and then constantly I'm getting people who are telling me that they, that, that, that they enjoy it and that they're like, where's the next one? When's the next one? Um, which I, you know, I was giving somebody a hint the other day that I, I may, in fact, might write another book one day, uh, and uh, it might have something to do with pest control again, um, may, namely ants. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I think uh, I might make it into a bit of a series. Nice. That's cool. Hey, man, Disney did it. They did great with it, or DreamWorks, one of them did. Thank you, though. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, if I could just pop that up right there. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's my book. It's called You Don't Belong Here. And uh, uh, it's at Amazon.com. It's at BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, if you buy it, write a nice review for me, please. <laughs> I could use it. And uh, I'm very proud of it. I think it came out great. And like I said, I love the illustrations. I, I think it's really, uh, it's a cute story, all original. So I hope everybody goes out and purchases it. That'd be awesome. So do I. And obviously I'll put uh, show notes and links and stuff like that when this comes out so people can just go on, on it. And uh, I was actually Googling you uh, this morning. Oh, that sounds dirty. Yeah, no, it was. It was pretty filthy. But the, uh, it, it was interesting because Sean O'Malley fought last night. Yes. So every time I tried to put in Sean O, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rainbow colored hair and uh, him, him, her, him holding his foot because he just got, you know, broke his foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that did not go well for him at all. But, um, yeah, so Sean O spelled the same way. Sean O'Toole, not Sean O'Malley. What are some other yeah. ways people can find with you, connect with you, uh, hear about your writings, uh, follow you on social media to see some of those uh, bug pictures that you're posting? And uh, obviously, more importantly, if they're on Long Island and they would like to get uh, to use your services for some of those, you know, I know I Quinta and Coleman and a lot of those guys. They're doing yeah. a lot of stuff in real estate. So raging Al. Raging Al. Yeah, love the guy. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, you just look me up on Facebook if you want. You can you can reach out to me. Uh, Sean O'Toole on Facebook, pretty easy to find. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of Sean O'Toole's that are authors, thank goodness. So that works out in my favor. So if you look up Sean O'Toole book, you know, it'll probably pop up, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, you know, just the normal... Facebook really is the best way because I'm on there all the time and, you know, just posting stupid stuff like you see, you know, 
of, uh, you know, just disgusting stuff like ant nests and roaches <laughs> and bed bugs and stuff like that. Oh, and I also post some pretty adorable pictures of my beautiful two redheads. So that you do, yes, yes. And happy birthday to Kathy. She just had a birthday. Yes, yes. Yep. One more year in her 30s and then she'll be, uh, you know, gonna have to find a new one. Can't say that. <laughs> Trade her in. Trade her in for another one. Any, <laughs> final, any final thoughts tonight before I let you go show no tool? No, dude, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you know, anytime you need some advice or whatever, you know, I got your back, brother. I appreciate, I appreciate that very much. And shout out Michael Horback, Billy Schwanneman, some yes. of the old Baldwin crew. I, I hit up Al Jordan this week, said what's up to him. But Absolutely. uh we my boys growing up and we got uh, still good guys now. So I miss I miss everybody on Long Island. I hope to come home soon and hang out and catch up on some fights with you and, of course, my good friend, Billy Schwanneman. Yes. And, uh, thank you for joining us, sir. I'll post all the show notes. I'll send you a link for everything. Go out and pick up this man's book. He's one of the nicest guys out there. Show note too, ladies and gentlemen. You don't thank belong you. here. I appreciate it, Nick. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-0167. Again, text DRUMMER to 833-482-0167 for your free drum lesson.